1: Where Brian and Josh come together and talk about lots of different things, mostly Halo, but sometimes we don't. And what what is it? What is that mode? What is that mode in Halo when we don't talk about Halo? Capture the flag. Uh, What's that, Brian? <laughs> What'd you said you say, I said capture the flag. <laughs> I, well, I thought you said Captain Crunch. I don't know. <laughs> Captain, Captain Crunch. Crunch. Mm. No. <laughs> uh, not. So anyway, what are we guys, gonna talk about today, Josh. We're gonna talk about the Phantom Menace. I just rewatched this with my dad the other night, and you just rewatched this. What'd you say uh, before the show? About three uh, weeks ago or so. About, about oh, three weeks ago. Weeks ago. Weeks ago. Weeks oh, ago. Phantom man. Menace. I'm it excited to talk really. about this. Me too. Me too. Uh, Braun, where were you at uh, in 1999 when this was coming out? I. I that's where I want to just start talking about this, like, because I was. I was thinking. I was thinking about how that was like for me. Uh, If you guys haven't read the review, don't feel obligated to, because I'll probably re-mention some of this stuff in here, but yeah, for you first, Brian, uh, where were you at as a kid in 1999? Do you remember Star Wars being a thing?
0: Yeah, well, so 1999, I was seven years old, so I had already watched the VHS, VHSs of the original trilogy with my dad several times by then, but I wasn't like... It's kind of weird for some reasons. Like I always liked Star Wars, but Star Wars never. Like when I watched Star Wars with my dad, the originals, I never, I never like wanted to go out and buy the action figures or play with it. Like I was more interested. I was maybe I was just a, a dumb kid because I was more interested in like Hercules and Tarzan and Toy Story. No, that makes like, plenty of sense. I was still into like more kid stuff. Like Star Wars, the original trilogy just felt a little more adult, even though I still enjoyed it. Um, so. Brian, did you say
1: you had the Hercules? Didn't didn't you dress up as Hercules for Halloween one time or something? I dressed up
0: as Hercules for Halloween, and my first day of kindergarten, I came to class wearing... Hercules sandals, Hercules shorts, a Hercules shirt with a Hercules. Okay, water that's bottle. cool, man. I remember those days dorky. of wearing
1: like all the the attire. Like a, when a Batman movie came out, I was always dressed head to toe. Did you, man? do you got a picture of you in that Hercules costume? Yeah, you I need do to somewhere. get that up in the Discord sometime yeah. of you like flexing your your pecs. Yeah, it's as a like, nine year old or whatever. A seven year old, I think you said, but yeah. Anyway, uh, go ahead, man.
0: Get but in ninety ninety nine, uh, I wasn't like you know, I'm seven year old kid. I wasn't anticipating phantom menace i didn't i didn't even, i didn't really care that much i think the the biggest thing i can remember from the actual year of 99 was all the marketing i remember yeah. us ordering oh, yes. pi- I remember us ordering pizza and there was i don't know which uh i don't know if it was pizza hut or which one it was but there was star wars stuff on the pizza boxes and stuff
1: oh yeah that was pizza hut they did the pizza park. hut
0: and then i remember getting my dad would buy cans of mountain dew and it'd have you know yoda or whatever on the side of it from phantom menace yeah I did. um <laughs> And I remember going to my friend Kyle's house, and his older brother had, like, he was collecting the cans, and he had them on the shelf, so he had a few of them. Um, so, that, so yeah, the marketing, I remember the marketing. Um, did you go see I it did, in cinemas? I, no, I did not see it. I did not see it in the cinemas. Uh, I did not. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Why did I say that? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to gauge how big a fan my dad is of Star Wars, because... I feel like it's safe to say the Star Wars original trilogy are some of my dad's favorite movies of all time, Mm -hmm. but to my recollection, I don't think he was eager to go see Phantom Menace, and it probably, if I had to guess, was just because he was, you know, I don't know how old he would have been then, like 30, and he had kids and jobs and things. Do you think
1: any of it had to do with, like, um, Mark Carey and Harrison not being in it?
0: I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I, I honestly just think my, knowing my dad, I think he's, uh, he's probably just had too many things, too, too many other priorities. Just adulting.
1: Yeah. He's just oh, adulting. I get that. Yeah. I get
0: that. Uh, but, um, so my first time seeing Phantom Menace was on VHS after it came out.
1: Um. I miss VHSes sometimes.
0: And like, <clears throat> I, when I saw Phantom Menace as a, so I'm guessing if I watched it on VHS, if I probably watched it in the year, like 2000, Hmm. um, I thought it was, I mean, I don't know. Okay, let me preface this. So let's just get this out of the way. We all know that, you know, for a decade plus, the prequels were shit on by so many people. So let me clarify that when I was eight watching Phantom Menace, all of my opinions on it have nothing to do with the critical or social discourse. I didn't even use the internet. I get it. At the no, point.
1: Whatever you have uh, is independent.
0: Yeah, so I, I think I liked it. I think I liked Phantom Menace, but I thought... I think at that age, I think I kind of just thought, "eh, it's just, it's just more Star Wars." It's just Star Wars. And yeah, I don't think I really thought it was better or worse than um, the than original Game trilogy. Mm-hmm. I know I thought Darth Maul was so cool. <laughs> um, and I remember my dad, my the first time my dad saying like that kid right, that little kid right there, that's Darth Vader. I'm like, no, no, he's not. And my dad's like, yeah, that's that's supposed to be him when he's a kid. I'm like, but he's nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's weird to picture little like phantom menace anakin you know the whole yippee and it's working it's working and he's choking people out later yeah and then straight yeah. up murdering younglings in the yeah so uh <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i didn't I don't know why um, i'm laughing at that that's so dark i've just seen it mean to death after all these years
0: <laughs> yeah i uh yeah i don't think um so yeah i, I it's just i don't have that much of a I think the biggest memories of my childhood are just rewatching the originals with my dad. But, yeah, so, and then even, even when Attack of the Clones came out, I know we're talking about Phantom Menace, but I didn't see that in theater either. And I didn't, when I say I didn't care, I just mean that very plainly. Like, I just didn't care. It wasn't like I was, I didn't like Star Wars or anything. I just was, I liked other things, you know, like I said.
1: Um, yeah, guys, I, real quick, uh, I don't know for sure if we're going to, fully commit to this or anything like that but we'll probably do an oddball episode on each of the star wars films since i'm Sounds going through them me. brian has rewatched them recently and then we'll probably end up doing that for the middle earth films uh, <laughs> following these so that way brian and i can just kind of mentally uh just kind of have a conversation about these and then you guys can kind of uh
0: really i guess enjoy the, i'm actually really looking forward to the star wars ones too but middle earth that's yeah that's where i which
1: one brian if we Okay, out of the Star Wars ones, which one would you say you're looking forward to talking about the most? If you had to pick two or three.
0: Um, I think for Star Wars, the one I look forward to the most is The Force Awakens. And Now, that might seem like it's because it's my favorite Star Wars, but I don't think that's it. It's because that's where I became whatever you want to call a
1: true Star Wars. Yeah, that's going to be cool, man. I'm going to be cool or uh, excited to pick your brain on that one. In
0: Middle Earth, Middle Earth I would say um, probably... Well, on one hand, I want to say Fellowship because that's the first one I watched and my mm-hmm. favorite. But the thing is, I never got to see the original trilogy in theater, so I'll have mm. some. I'll have some. I'll have some extra experiences to add to the Hobbits because I yeah, saw these are gonna the be fun, place.
1: guys. Because we get we got so much nostalgia for these. There's no doubt you guys do too. But uh, yeah, for me, uh, it was unreal because I was not aware that movie was even that Phantom Menace was even really happening until just like months before it came out. Like the, the earliest ever thing I remember was seeing uh, like a news segment about how the toys were just selling out like hotcakes, you know, in the stores. And then the moment that happened, I think it became like a very real thing for me. And cause I mean, it's weird to go back. It's weird to think back now. Uh, you know, we didn't have all the internet, the stuff we do now, where the marketing access is. So, you know, it's there, you know, and as you, as a kid, you just, you kind of knew what was in front of you, you know, like you only saw it if it was on a television commercial, uh, or if it was somewhere you went to, you know, but you didn't have that remote access. Yeah. It's weird cause I
0: haven't even, I don't even watch, I don't watch television. I haven't in years. So I don't, I don't actually see commercials unless they come across the internet or yeah, the yeah, Netflix. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Whatever. But, uh, yeah, I was super excited for this movie. I, you know, I, I wasn't, I had grown up just like Brian, you know, I'd, I'd watched the originals and I used to rent them over and over from this library until the special editions came out. And my mom had bought me those. And I think my mom and dad got me those for my birthday. And, uh, and then I had those for a while. And that was at the time enough for me because I was into so many things and star Wars was still so new to me in the sense that like, having the action figures and having the movies to rewatch was just enough you know i didn't know it wasn't like today you know nowadays we have all these different universes that have books and comics and video games and everything but back then it was just you know it was uh you didn't necessarily always you wanted more but you didn't necessarily always need it and and uh, you didn't run out of, of, of fun I guess or imagination with what I mean there, I, th- this you was a time about.
0: before this was a time before you expected everything to become a franchise yeah. and get endless sequels
1: so. yeah so uh, I get to school one day and this one kid I couldn't stand tells me he's going to go see it that night and I was like what what and I was real. I was suddenly angry and, and so jealous all the kids were like you're going to go see Star Wars and he's like I'm going to go see S- Star Wars I go home, and I'm like, Mom, Dad, I'm like busting through the door. I'm like, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is going to be in theaters tonight. I have to be there. Can we go? And, you know, for whatever reason, we couldn't. And stupid-ass little me was probably not even grasping the concept of, of tickets being sold out and stuff.
0: But Even if it was their mission to get you there, I don't think they would have succeeded. I don't think
1: it would have. Yeah, I really don't. So, anyway, I was so defeated, I cried myself to sleep on the stairs because nothing Sounded good to me at that time I couldn't, I didn't want to go play with My other Star Wars toys, they weren't Phantom Menace Toys, I didn't want to go watch television I didn't want to go outside and play I wanted to go see that movie, and the fact I had straight FOMO, that was my first encounter with it, because all these people were going to go see this movie, and this new era of Star Wars was going to be born, and there I was, crying myself to sleep on the steps, uh, just to get through, just to pass the time, but I eventually Rough got life. to go see it, and yeah, and uh, it was awesome, it was very different, but it was awesome, and I loved it, I remember seeing it with my mom and my older sister, and my mom was like, you know, she was like, yeah, it's kind of cool. It was definitely different, though, and I guess that was like my first kind of like brush um with uh just people's reactions, you know, uh, to the prequels uh, being different and stuff, but, you know, I, I was like, yeah, the aesthetics are different and everything, but I was so excited to see a young Obi-Wan and a young Anakin and all that stuff. Brian, what is your favorite what's your favorite thing about the phantom menace and what is your least favorite thing what do you hate the most if you if we could use the word hate
0: well i could take rather than to make it more interesting because i could you said favorite thing i could just say for favorite thing i could pick a favorite scene which usually those come down to the same scene that everyone picks oh you pick the character instead i think what i'm gonna do is say my favorite thing about the phantom menace is the aesthetic
1: really no i love i love hearing that what tell, tell me about that brian well, we've never talked about this.
0: Uh I love how the film looks to me, it looks like a 90s interpretation of the original trilogy.
1: Isn't that awesome? It's it is sometimes so cool. you forget it's the only like we forget it's the only Star Wars movie that came out in the 90s. It's like yeah. we've been talking about on, you know, the Halo 4 stuff like it's kind of its own thing in a way, it's its own moment in time. Yeah. It's kind of self-contained in a sense. I mean, it's kind of Phantom Menace.
0: The movie when I watch when I start watching Phantom Menace again, it, it almost convinces me for a while that I'm watching another original trilogy film. Because Ooh, if wow. you if you watch I would say I would say and this is not a diss thing, this is just serious. I think all the way until they meet Jar Jar, it mm-hmm. doesn't it feels like the same aesthetic. As a original trilogy film.
1: Okay, I can kind of see that.
0: Because you know they're on, the, they're on the they're they're in the in the meeting room on the trade federation ship or whatever, and mm-hmm. they're sitting there, and you, you see the the three PO unit. I don't know what you call a general, the version
1: of that unit. Do you? Uh, protocol droid. I mean, just protocol droid.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you see the protocol droid, and you see like the just the the texture and the atmosphere and the aesthetic of the ship, and aliens, and the text across the bottom of the screen. You know, the Jedi's and cloaks. It feels very much original trilogy to me. I don't think it's until you get down to Naboo and you see like CGI stuff like Jar Jar and, and, and eventually like the gun guns the, Gungans, <laughs> the Gungans underwater that starts to feel like because like in that sense like in that sense I'm not a huge fan of the aesthetic of like super aged CGI but that's not what I mean when I say I love this movie. Sure. So, uh,
1: yeah. What what's uh that's awesome to hear actually. I I feel. I guess somewhat differently because I think of the Trade Federation doors as when I've really felt like, okay, this is a different kind of Star Wars. I, can, I can't. Really I love the aesthetic, though. I didn't when I was a kid. I didn't like. Well, I didn't hate it, but I, I like. I liked it, but because it was because there wasn't a two and three yet, and there wasn't that sort of like marriage, you know, of all the films together. I was like trying to fit the different aesthetic and marry it with the originals. In my own head. And I remember like struggling. Like you look at the Naboo One Starfighter, Anakin's Pod Racer, and things like that. And it's like, this is so vastly different. It's very sharp and jagged compared to sort of like just how uh, compressed uh, and kind of junk uh, everything is in uh, the original. So
0: I think my least favorite thing about the movie, this is, and this is, I really like that I'm kind of thinking this way because this is getting to the core of what I love about the movie. Like I said, I love the aesthetic, I love how it looks. But the thing I don't, the thing I despise about it the most. I can't really pinpoint, but there's just, there's two to three moments of the film where it's just boring or drags. Okay, let's and it hear it. Kill, and it brings down the film as a whole for me okay. because I like so much of, because I think if I, I mean, if I try to think about it like, I like, once again, this is not, I'm not a Jar Jar hater, so I know everyone wants to <laughs> um, I feel like here comes the butt. Well, because I would say... So when I'm watching *Phantom Menace*. Uh-huh. It doesn't get it doesn't get boring to me until they go down to the Gungan place.
1: Oh really? So Aragunga Oda, yeah. Oda is like yeah. not cool for you.
0: That the me. entire the entire time they're down there, and then when they're leaving with Jar Jar and the ship and the the big fish or whatever follows them. <laughs> There's I'm always really, the bigger fish. Yeah, I usually am like browsing my phone or something because I'm just really bored there. Oh um, man! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't do much for me.
1: We saw give you the speedest way. <laughs>
0: um, but I like, I like, you know. Then, then Uh-oh. I'm trying to think. What happens immediately after that? Uh. Are they, are they showing up at Naboo then after they come out of the water? Is that it?
1: Uh, I think there's a scene. I think there's like a scene afterward or right after they kind of take off, and he, he has the. Whole, there's always a bigger fish line with like. You know, this is my new apprentice, Darth Maul, or something like that. No, no, that's later. That comes later.
0: I think they Uh come up out of the ship. They come up at Naboo, right? Like at. That's a deleted.
1: There is a deleted scene where they come up out of the ship.
0: Okay, well, they. they,
1: But basically, the next time you see them, they're like. Up in that sort of archway just above Padme, Panaka, yeah. and everyone, and then they kind of like jump down, Jar Jar yeah. struggles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I like,
0: I like, once we get out of the water, like, I like, once we, once we get out of the water, dear God, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, once we get out of the water, I like, I like all that. I like, um, you know, like, and this is bound to come up, especially if we're going to talk about all these movies, like to 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 go against the, the red letter media reviews, everyone knows that are the dogs.
1: We love those, them. by the way, guys. We say that yeah, a lot. We, we kind lot of critique fun. them now, but yeah, we love um, them.
0: They're a lot of fun. But like like some of the things he critiques, I'll admit that I love. Like when he says like, you know, one of the things he said was like, oh, when the, the, the let's see, uh, Padme, well, it's not Padme, it's her fake, I think, thanks R2-D2 for being like a good... Yeah, uh, he I
1: deserves guess. that gratitude.
0: Yeah. And then I remember in the red litter media, they were like saying how, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, if you look at the originals, they don't care. They're destroyed. I'm like, no, I kind of like that. I think it's cool. I like that. So like, I like the whole thing
1: with the, the fight and, and R2-D2 and them thanking him. I, like, I think it's fair to rationalize that, like, they were on Padme's ship, the Queen's ship, and you would think that, I mean, look how royal they look, that they would have a better sense of, of you know, properness and, and maybe civility you know, okay. and, and politeness, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, that to me... I do think like that's a, too far to... That's
0: not an impact that face. matters, you yeah. know. Um, so, and then, I, of course, you know, just a broad scope, so I'm not going to take us through the whole freaking movie oh, again, good, but, like, I, I, I love when they la- land on Tatooine, I love... I love like two thirds of the pod race. I feel like it goes on just a little too long, personally. But like, because like, when it starts, I'm excited. When it ends, I'm excited. There's a part in the middle where I'm excited. But there's just a little bit of like a, okay, it's it's kind of gone on a little bit long. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I think there's probably a little bit too much. There's probably a little bit too much like dragging the feet around on Tatooine between like, you know, trading the parts. I definitely think and, as
1: much as I like the Tatooine stuff, it's it that's where the film slows a bit.
0: Yeah, it gets a little slow there, and then um, I lo- obviously love the Darth Maul fight and the ending and everything like that, but, like, there's a Like, little, I know
1: what you're coming I, back around to.
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of the, like, Anakin piloting the ship in space. Um,
1: <laughs> I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: not... And it's not, like... I know, like, the, the general negative thing to say about the prequels is just, like, to say, oh, this was cringe or this was bad, but I'm trying to be more, like... I'm trying to be more properly critical of, my, of it. So, like, it's not really cringe that gets me. It's that I'm just kind of bored when Kid Anakin's in the spaceship. You know So, <laughs> so, yeah, the, so I guess the three yeah. big parts would be underwater is kind of boring for me. Ootugunga. Uh, Some of the time on Tatooine drags a bit. And then little Annie in the ship.
1: Did you notice the moment in Watto's shop when Jar Jar gets kicked straight up in the nuts?
0: Doesn't even flinch.
1: Yeah, like you notice that moment—that's so blink and miss moment—and I laugh every time, dude. I straight up laugh. That's well, that's so because Gungans that. have testicles on their butt, dude. They got balls of steel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually thought you were gonna say the Gungan battle because I was fairly sure that was something that you, you weren't really interested in that much.
0: Um, I forgot about that. The Gungan battle is not necessarily boring; it just looks horrific. The CG looks horrible to, okay. to me personally. Yeah, I no, think I'm it looks. I mean, I think it looks judgment. like a really bad video game. Like, that's the worst CG graphics of the entire movie for me.
1: It's funny to think about Anakin as a kid in that ship in space, and he's not, like, freaking out. Like, I mean, it, granted, he was literally in a life-or-death-defying race, you know, on he created, like, and He grew up Dude, on Tatooine as a slave. He's Dude, never in space, so man. But you would think he's like, Whoa, shit! You know, screaming his ass off, <laughs> like, What the fuck? You know, I mean, yeah. I, some of it, too, it's weird, those prequels have aged so well. The CGI that come in 2 and 3, uh, even though I love those, they've aged poorly. We'll get to that. But I feel like the films themselves have aged so well because of prequel memes. Because of the lines that get quoted. you know. And it, I think of things like him being saying yippee. And then like things like, uh, he's like, maybe you'll actually do it this time, Andy, or something like that. And Pammy's like, do what? And he's like, finish the race, of course. <laughs> like it wasn't really my fault yeah i don't like I, I don't word. I don't know there's so many lines in that movie, and then what what's do the water one man give me that water line I'll <clears throat> oh, see here I wasn't prepared um
0: <laughs> and you supply the boy i supply the oh, no he says no not
1: you supply the yeah, you boy. Can,
0: you can. i supply the boy, you supply the parts so we's been to winning the 50/50. fifty fifty
1: <laughs> yes bro. Uh, i love that moment it's so quotable but uh let me see let me see if i can trace my my own personal stuff because let's see your favorite
0: part and your least favorite part
1: okay uh well i think my least favorite part is still the senate stuff like it's important there it really helps to go like show the broad uh the broad long con of palpatine you know like something i really picked up on this time like I just never realized before was that like, you really do see him moving the pieces of the puzzle. Like in episode two, you can kind of get the sense you can put together that he wanted to kind of make all this, help all this stuff, this assassination stuff with Padme happen to sort of maybe bring her and Anakin together. And through that, make them fall in love. Like he wanted, he saw that these two kind of had a connection before he had a, before he was even on the board in that sense. And then takes them on the chessboard and kind of moves them together. And then kind of forces them to kind of coexist. And Anakin being the creep he is, like we'll get to in episode 2, ends up, you know, stuff comes out of that. But in this movie, you very much see, like, Naboo's in trouble. He is also from Naboo. And he's manipulating Padme to basically garner sympathy. And basically get himself appointed as Chancellor. But he plays it off like... He can make this happen, but Chancellor Valorum can't. And even in the moment when she's like, I move for a vote of no confidence, and Valorum sits down like, I thought I knew this girl. I am so hurt right now.
0: You know. Right. Now, see, that's the thing is like as adults, none of this is hard to understand, but as a kid, that would make no sense to me. I'm yeah, like, what I mean, he,
1: in the world is a vote of no confidence? I was so, yeah, that's the thing. I'm glad you said that cuz when I when I sold as a kid I wasn't bored I was so enamored with it being a new Star Wars movie but that was probably the most I guess boring if you will but at the same time I was so excited to see Coruscant this like city you know of the Jedi and see the Jedi Council that's another thing too that was so awesome it sucks to didn't see didn't come back in the sequel trilogy what's that or, oh Coruscant. Coruscant I know dude I feel like that's the one nine. thing they should have just they should have got in there but it's cool um my favorite thing Oh, man, I honestly, I just, I think I like seeing Qui-Gon on Tatooine and seeing him interact with uh, Shmi and stuff. Like, the whole idea of Anakin being almost like a sort of, like, forced Jesus of being a virgin birth. And, I mean, it's just, like, it's fascinating to me. And there's this moment when she says that. um, She she mentions there was no father and everything. And they they have the shot of him sort of processing, like you can tell the wheels are turning in his head and he's like thinking about that prophecy. And guys, if 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 you've never listened or read Master and Apprentice, it is such a great book for Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi and all this prophecy stuff. And let me, I mean, check it out because they talk about so many things about the prophecy and that one of them being like, she who was born from darkness will give birth to darkness, which if you think about it, that's pretty much Leia. Um so it's fascinating stuff. So when I'm rewatching that with sort of this context I'm like I love those little moments and there's so many moments of those that you can tell the galaxy or the force is like at hand like really kind of towing the line with fate when all these things happen. It's just it's so crazy like the whole chance cube thing. I mean yeah Qui-Gon interferes but like him trying to haggle to even suggest Anakin's freedom, you know. It's just like Man, so much could have not happened. You know, it's just weird to think yeah. about, you know, in all these different ways. It has to happen because that's the beginning and the originals already happened and he was there. But if you can just, if we're able to remove that. Uh, I just love seeing qui I love qui Jin. Jinn. Uh, I remember I Red Letter Qui-Gon. Media was like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi would have been a much better character. If you took the two of the, to qui Jin and Obi-Wan Kenobi and formed them into Obi-Wan Kenobi.
0: I mean, I do think they have a real point because it was a very odd choice to have almost two mentor roles in what should have like before watching it I definitely would have said you should have just did one after watching it you get attached to Qui-Gon Jinn you don't want to take him away you know I think
1: what I like about it the most in that regard is that Obi-Wan Kenobi is like an asshole in this movie an asshole
0: he's like yeah he's another, when Qui-Gon, well, when they're in Otagunga life form.
1: <laughs> Yeah yeah when they're in autogunga and, you know, Qui-Gon's about to secure Jar Jar's freedom with the life deadline. Obi-Wan's like, pretty much like, dude, we don't have time for this, man. Come on. Like, let him, just let him get crushed. <laughs> let him get punished, you know. And then later on, uh, yeah, then, then they get little Anakin. And Obi-Wan's like, why do I, since we picked up another pathetic life form. It's like, damn, dude. Like, man, this is not Alec He needs, McGinnis, he needs I... Qui-Gon Jin and. I mean you see how headstrong he is with that stuff and he's got a sense of humor he is very strong in the force but boy he needs he needs some time to go you look at the Obi-Wan in Phantom Menace and then the Obi-Wan in Revenge and they're two vastly different Obi-Wans like he's gone through a lot in his life and he's changed yeah. and I the Obi-Wan I see in Revenge reminds me a lot of Qui-Gon Jin in Phantom Menace and I like to think that he kind of just grew into a sort of almost mirror image you know in his own yeah. way and I like Qui-Gon because he was the only Jedi like especially nowadays, like let me, let me, let me backstep a bit. Cause I feel like you might have a lot to say about this too, especially regarding the, the whole hubris line from last Jedi. But like, if you look at as a kid in 99 or just before the sequels and all that came out, going to see the Jedi council and the Jedis on Coruscant was just fascinating because you're like, finally we get to see Jedi roaming the galaxy. You know, it's the Sith who are in hiding. It's you take, you take the whole plot of the sequel or I'm sorry, the originals and you kind of reverse that. You flip it. And that's what we have. Instead of, like, the Empire, you have the Republic. Instead of the 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 Sith, you know, um, uh, kind of ruling, if you will, then you have the Jedi, you know, and stuff like that. And the other ones in hiding. So it was cool, but it isn't until more recent canon in the past few years that have established those Jedi were kind of, like, prey to their own hubris. We know that there was a Sith sort of shrine... Of- far deep down underneath the temple that had been sort of seeping up and corrupting them they're, they're cutting their judgment basically and just how how little they took action and how much they just kind of debated everything and yeah. but at the time when you're watching those movies you don't process that so i love qui-gon because he feels like he's not with that you know like in that book I talked about uh, earlier and in the movie, it's alluded to, like, he could easily be master if he just stopped kind of doing his own thing. But he does anyway. And I liked that. He still is, is a good person, but he kind of follows his heart rather than that follows his That kind of
0: shows that, that he was a good – he was in the right mind of thinking because you can see through Anakin – and even kind of Obi-Wan, like how much the rank of master matters to them. And Qui-Gon's just like, eh, I don't, you know, I'm just going to do what I think's right. I he care. cared
1: about being a Jedi, yeah. Less about the the rank of it, sitting on a chair.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, I'm going to tr- try to rope this right back in because I want to stay on Phantom Menace topic. But like, you're talking about like the hubris of the Jedi, man. I just, the you know, the more and more I watch The Last Jedi, I hear about The Last Jedi, I, I, I just talk about it. I just feel like that movie paid so much homage to the seven films prior. I feel like it did it so well because, you know, it really... And I also feel like um, The Last Jedi, in a sense, is the one to really like... It's the one that kind of really included the prequels in a way, too. You know, like Luke talks about Darth Sidious. Luke talks about the hubris of the Jedi, and that's the reason we're in this position. I feel like it was a great way of, of tying it all together... In Last Jedi. And I also I've, I've been like watching YouTubers and listening to podcasts and stuff. And like I think they make a really good point about like how I know so many people, including Josh, didn't like Luke's interpretation in that film. But it kind of and now bear with me, it kind of I feel like it kind of fits his character perfectly because so when you finish Force Awakens, you know that he's on that island, secluded, he doesn't want to be found on purpose and you know that he failed his Jedi temple. So when you finish Force Awakens, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the mindset, what did we think was going to happen when we got there? Like when we got to the island, was Luke going to say everything's dandy, I'm not upset and I'm going to train you and we're going to go back and fight Kylo Ren like it didn't
1: seem very likely? Oh dude. And then we thought so much because one of amid all the things that leaked Back in back then, like Han Solo dying, one of the things that leaked was that this <laughs> is so stupid. He turn he turns around, and the last line of the movie is "My baby girl." And people My baby just girl. To death saying "My baby girl." Every time there was a photo of Ray for a while, people were well, like "My baby girl."
0: Okay, see now, I think it's completely fair that people could have thought that was uh, Luke's daughter because that's what I thought when I finished Force Awakens. That makes sense, but I'm just saying. You know, if you listen to like Rian Johnson in interviews, he talks about how Luke he knows that Luke would would never let fear stop him from doing his job as a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And if you watch the originals, no matter how scared he is, he never let fear get in the way. And then something else Rian Johnson said is is like when he puts himself on the island. I knew I knew it couldn't be because of fear. It's because Luke is doing what he genuinely believes. Is the right thing to do Luke always does what is the right thing to do at the end of Return of the Jedi killing his father was not the right thing to do he threw his lightsaber aside and he said I won't do this so I'm a Jedi like my father and I'm willing to die because it's the right thing to do and then when you get to you know the last Jedi he's only on the island because he feel like he feels like it's his fault that the universe is in the trouble it's in because of what happened to the Jedi temple he feels like the best thing for him to do to help the galaxy is to be removed from them to 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 the legend of him is is his own hubris tying back to the hubris of the jedi in the prequels because he thought he was a legendary luke skywalker and he doesn't he closes himself off from the force he hides himself on the island he doesn't want to be found and i, I think it just makes more sense that like you know when no, I, I I'll admit it's fair to have some criticism to how Luke threw the lightsaber over his shoulder because it was it was done for some comedic purpose as well. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of understand why he did that because he went through he went through all the trouble of exiling himself, making himself unfindable, and closing himself off with a force from the force. Now the girl and then comes and shows up and she's like, a girl yeah, shows up with- and he's like, Oh no. No, yeah, and <laughs> it's with the lightsaber. It. It's with his yeah. father's lightsaber, the one he you know, loves his say, hand. I, so
1: I agree. I think, I think, I think you're in one sense you're wrong, but I think the way I'll say this, I think you'll definitely agree, and it's and it's more or less what you were saying. Like I think he he definitely is there because he's scared. Like he saw just how close he kind of how quickly he walked. Well, line. and according
0: then, to Rian Johnson, that he's not there because he's scared. But you can, if you don't want to... It's wanna,
1: so weird. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to yeah. pick bones with Rian Johnson, but I mean, like, I think it stands to reason, like, that scared the shit out of him. It wasn't just because he, uh, Kylo, basically, the whole temple went to shit. It's because he had that moment, and it scared the shit out of him, and you see it in his eyes. And even in Rise of Skywalker, he has the line that he says, confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. And that's just that's what Yoda kind of had to bring out of him was that like, you know, these apprentices are very much like what we what they grow beyond you know yeah. our lessons and and what we what we are and stuff like that. And I, I think him, I think him having that realization was him deciding to sort of confront that fear, and he did that with Kylo in that sort of like almost like a father son moment.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure this would count us as agreeing or not, but I think I could agree that like I think. I think once he realizes what he needs to do for the galaxy is to go back and give them a symbol of hope at the end with Battle of Crait, I think in the sense I, I would say he was fearful in that sense. Like he made so many mistakes that he left to the island because he thought it was right, but then he didn't want to go back out of fear because he didn't want to make more mistakes. He didn't want to. Yeah, be... I mean, it just. And he, he also says, too, to like... He, "Like she wants me to be something I can't be."
1: You right. Know, well, you look at like Force be. Awakens and. They're trying to like you can you can you can pretty much put together. This is something Rian actually did good, and that sounds like I'm implying he did bad, but I mean he deserves credit for this. Is that they allude to uh, him like them having trouble finding Luke? They're trying to find Luke. They want to find Luke and kill him, basically. Well, I think JJ originally had plans that when Ray would find him, that he'd be sitting there crisscross applesauce. Uh, with uh, floating rocks indicating he's you know he's just doing his force stuff in exile kind of like Iota in a way but then Ryan was like hey can you do this instead because I got my own plans I want to do and really what Ryan wanted to do makes a lot more sense because he was so cut off from the force because of what he went through because of how his much sister him,
0: contact him. that
1: no one could really sense him yeah just like Leia couldn't sense him out to the force and uh, that makes a lot more of a, a better marriage, I think. As much as I would have wanted Luke to have force powers and all that, and not be cut off, like it's good we got what we did, you know. So, but bringing it back to Phantom Menace, um, dude, that score for one, I wanted to mention that that soundtrack the is straight trilogy. fire. Duel yeah, the, of the Fates sequel trilogy, uh, sequel trilogy has the weakest for sure. It does, it does. It's got some good stuff, but damn, is that prequel trilogy got some straight fire tracks. Duel of the Fates, man. Uh, I, I don't know how anything beats that. And that duel... Brian, what's your favorite... What's your favorite and... Uh, no, nah, we're not going to say least favorite. I feel like the easiest is A New Hope. What is your favorite duel in all of Star Wars? Um, Once we're kind of... We're going a little all over here, but it's fine. Yeah, you know what sucks
0: is like, I, I think... So...
1: Let me rephrase that. Where does, where does the... Episode one duel. Where does that rank for you? If we're doing cold oh, the, the silver Garth and, bronze, and
0: duel, okay. Yeah, where does that objective rank? or subjective?
1: Subjective. Subjective. subjective okay.
0: Here. I would say okay, because like, I have to think through this. So I know the ones that are going to be at the top for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: is Empire. I, I'm not saying it's number one. I'm just saying these are ones that are at the top. Sure. Empire's up there. The Darth Maul ones up there. Um. Revenge of the Sith is probably up there, ooh. and ooh, Brian, give me that, Ooh,た,た,た. ooh, tat, tat, ta, ooh, ta, tat, tat. I always have mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, it's and been then, and then, this one's purely. I mean, you said subjective. It's purely biased. the The Force Awakens battle between Kylo and Rey, because um, I actually, even though I am a sequel lover, I don't actually think there's. I don't think any of this the duels in Rise of Skywalker are that great, personally. I think they're just, they're average.
1: Hey man, you know what I love about those is like, the original show, they're so choreographed, and you can complain about that, but a bit, I, I think it shows the sort of technicality and, and training that everyone had at that time, good and bad. And the original show, sort of this like, you know, Vader being a bad guy is like aged and burned and charred, and then you have Anakin, or I'm sorry, Luke, who is still learning, and then you go into the sequel trilogy, and it just feels unhinged. You know, because you have Kylo, who's just, just like a dog off his leash. You know, and then you have Rey, who's very much like Luke in that regard. Yeah, I think... Uh, it makes The Force so think, Awakens duel cool.
0: For, for me, the, the worst... Pardon me. My least favorite duels in the series is all of Attack of the Clones and all of Rise of Skywalker. Those are my two least favorite movies for that. Yeah, like... Okay, that
1: seems kind of unfair because A New Hope's so boring. Like, the thing is, though, like A New But there's a okay. lot going on in that moment, Let, though. I get it. Let's be
0: real here. Like, A New Hope's the original one, you know, and it's yeah. got a lot. There's a lot going on
1: there. I just see, like, old Alec Guinness getting pushed up against a wall. Yeah. Give a so, lightsaber, bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just, just say, I here. felt, the, the, the if we're going off of how I felt watching it, I felt the least amount of emotion in Attack of the Clones and Rise of Skywalker, so Fair those reason. are the bottom.
1: There's not a whole lot of but, substance. on So it.
0: I would say if the top four for me are, if the top four for me are Empire, um, Duel of the Fates, mm-hmm. Force Awakens, and Revenge of the Sith, yeah. I'll say, I'll say this is a mix. I'm trying to kind of be objective too. It's that's weird. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm going to say like I'm going to say the two best in the series are probably. In my just in my opinion,
1: uh, no wrong answer. It's, man. It's,
0: it's it's Empire and Duel of the Fates.
1: Yeah, Those It's three. hard to not like that that fight. So much is going on. I loved that that whole final act of that movie just because of that. The camera like is switching through all these different battles. the the, the Gungans, you know, the natives of the planet, fighting these battle droids. Then you have the uh, the people on sort of the surface of the world you know, having this infiltration mission to capture Viceroy Nuke Gunray. And I always remember Padme, she's like, Now, Viceroy, we will discuss a new treaty.
0: <laughs> oh, and, and I'll, uh, I'll, I didn't get to ahead. say this, but
1: because uh, this doesn't count as a duel,
0: but if it did count, my favorite in the entire series is Last Jedi's. Or oh, the one with Ray and... the Ray and Kylo in the throne room. That I That would be my number one...
1: I like. I would. I would say I like that. That's my like number one in the entire series. I think that can still next, count. I mean, as long as the lights. It is. Yeah, every one of the movies dual. has that moment. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's still. If it counted, fits. that's my number one. It fits in that. Come on. But, yeah. No. 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 Uh, but. Yeah, dude. That movie, Phantom Menace, has always been much better to me than it gets credit for. I think the flaws that are there are most people's subjectivity coming off of the originals. You know, kids who saw that loved it kids loved Jar Jar and as those kids grew up now you don't see the prequel hate as much it's more of a memory not that's not a distant one but it's a memory and that's because they didn't have their their love for Star Wars arrived at the prequels independently of the originals you didn't have that comparative nature so I feel like even if like someone right now I love Jar Jar Banks, but if someone told me right now I hate him or they want to make stupid jokes about the Sith, him being a Sith Lord. I hate those jokes. Um, you know, in a lot of ways that some people dealing with their own subjective opinions of how they, they wanted Star Wars to be and sort of facilitating that in a way that um, bases their opinion as sort of fact. And uh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot wrong with that movie. I mean, I really think it's a genuinely fun movie. It is nice to go back the whole point of Phantom Menace is like to see the galaxy when things were actually pretty okay. I mean, yeah, you still had slavery like on Tatooine and, you you know, the, the galaxy wasn't perfect. But compared to the Galaxy State we get in uh, Episode 2 even and then 3 and then the originals and so on, like, it is the happiest Star Wars film. And even at the end, you know, Boss Nas holds up that damn orb. He's like, peace! And you just think, like man they could really go anywhere from here and you see Anakin looking at Padme and they're smiling and you know he's in his little tunic and everything i mean it's just it's, just it's so cool
0: it's tough okay i got a few things to say it's tough josh because on one hand i do think the expectation and hype hindered the movie in an unfair way it's better than the people who say it's the worst give it credit for but, but there's also there's also well there's also uh, <coughs> there's also a uh a non-insignificant amount of, of, of legitimate criticisms, I think.
1: So Let's talk about them. Yeah,
0: so, well, okay. And it, let me say this first of all, too. This is, just, this is just a fact. I've been out in public, just at work or school or whatever, Pardon me. and whenever I run into a guy that's the age of our dad or older, the one thing, that are Star Wars fans, they always say the same thing, that they hated Jar Jar. And that's always what it... Didn't Matt from work say that as well?
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay? Yeah.
0: Huh. Um, and then I was just... Like, this happens to me all the time. I just happened again at work like a week or two ago. I was at work with this guy. He's like 50. And he said he was so hyped to see Star Wars The Phantom Menace. He waited in line and he went to see it. Which he would have been 30 at the time. Boy, it was a point in time. And uh, he said he saw it and like... he said, it, <coughs> he, he said, I was disappointed... He said it wasn't all bad. I like parts of it. You know, Darth Maul was really cool stuff. So he said but he's just like, I just don't understand why Jar Jar was in that movie so much. I just couldn't stand him. And I know that's like a memeable thing and a funny thing to talk about now. But it seems to me, for like a lot of OG trilogy older fans, Jar Jar really was a huge put off, and he's there so much that it made it hard for them to enjoy it. You know. So I think I think I think there's legitimate issues with Jar Jar, whether it's how much time he's there or maybe some of the slapstick humor?
1: See, I, I disagree. But the one thing I agree with is that – or well, you didn't mention this, but I, I think you'd probably agree – is that the sort of stereotypical uh, – the racial stereotypical um, voices that go on in that. Like you think of how – just in your head, guys listening – Picture how you remember the Namordians, you know, like Newt Gunray sounding. You know, I want Droid right up here at once. It sounds very, like, racial stereotypical. You know, they just took these aliens and were like, we're going to do this and that. And, I mean, I, I get where... Um, I've seen people talk about that and I get that. But, I don't know. I mean, look, I know I love Jar Jar. But, how much of people's hate of that is less criticism and more just they didn't like it? Like, if I tell you I didn't like... If I tell you I didn't like Alfred from the Hobbit movies, does that is it fair to, to hold the film to a criticism just because I didn't like this character so much that he ruined the movie for me? Mm-hmm. How I, much of that think, is my subjectivity seeping in?
0: I don't think it's fair to, to knock the whole movie down because of Jar Jar, but in my opinion, I do think... I do think Jar Jar is an issue with the film, personally.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's totally yeah, fair. Man. Not, not, I still respect it's not, that. And, and, and I, it's not that I would, I'm in the minority for sure. So hey, I get that.
0: I would say I would lean towards saying I do like Jar Jar, and I and when I watch the movie, it's not like I sit down and go, "Oh God, I have to put up with Jar Jar." I don't. But he's just he's just there. He's just there either too much or at the wrong times.
1: So. I was going to say though, I think you'd agree with this. You tell me if you disagree. I think at least if we're to focus on the positives of Jar Jar. He does a great his his presence being there does a great job to show the planet of Naboo having its own war with itself. Like it's very much it has you have the the people on the surface land and then you have them on underwater and it's two different um, types of living. You know, in between the natives and sort of the, the the founders, if you will, and symbiotic relationship. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting to see, and he really goes to show just how goofy these natives are, and then you have the complete opposite in contrast, and you see that not only are these people a sort of split world and a, a, a split community, you know, with, you know, themselves, but then you also have the Trade Federation situation, so they're not only at war with them, you know, they're at war with themselves, and then they have to come together, and I think it just, to me, it does, going back as far as 99, it does a cool job, since we're seeing a new planet, since we're seeing... The galaxy in a more beautiful state. It's kind of nice to see that like things yeah, weren't I, horrible, but they also weren't great. And here's where it starts to kind of
0: here's where I'll lie, Josh. I think because I this you lie, is that what you said? I meant like lie as in like lie down on my opinion, but I don't know if okay. that makes sense or not. Um Because I because I was, you know, a kid when that movie came out, I think it's like this. I don't mind Jar Jar, and I would say I like Jar Jar, but I think what he does in my personal opinion, what he does objectively bad for the film is that he throws the tone out of whack sometimes. There's moments in the movie where I feel like I should be feeling like something's cool or serious and he's he throws it out of whack, you know. It's not so much that his character is a problem as it's just like, you know, oh we we're, we're, we're getting ready for this bet for the pod race and then there's a joke about him getting stuck in Making his mouth go numb or stepping. The one I'll give give you, the one
1: I'll give you is like the one. (laughs) This is why I like Jarger because it makes me laugh. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely unbiased. I mean, it makes me laugh
0: too. I'm thinking.
1: No, I'm thinking of him when he's at the damn pod race and that weird creature just straight up farts. (laughs) It's a straight up fart.
0: Yeah, it it took me out of the tone, you know, because there's point. There's points where I'm like, okay, oh yeah, he's It's a. It's a virgin. He's for sure
1: slapstick. I mean, that's the thing. Like. And and kids enjoyed that, you know, and adults hated it and it was definitely a stark contrast. I don't blame anyone that says they don't like Jar Jar. I just think after like twenty years, I'm just like, Man, if that's all you have to really if that's what the heel you're dying on with Phantom Menace as to why it's not good, it's like how long are you gonna keep that argument up? You know, because would, there's more yeah, to this I movie than say. just Jar Jar. I'm I not implying you, though, at all. Yeah, I'm I wouldn't say the
0: movie isn't good because of Jar Jar or anything like that, but I, I would say, here, just to kind of broad strokes, the things that pers- today, I today personally think are fair criticisms, I think aspects of Jar Jar's fair criticism, I think Jade, Jake Lloyd's acting is fair criticism, even though... Okay, I, uh,
1: this is something I actually want to talk about. But go ahead, I want to get... Uh, I'm going to um, put a pin in that, actually. So
0: Yeah, so I'd say uh, Jar Jar, Jake Lloyd's acting... Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of to say some positive things too, I don't actually think the midichlorians thing is a is a problem as much as I.
1: Well, I love that we're getting we're getting all over now, so I don't want to forget. Let me say this because I feel like this pretty much plays into what you said, dude. The di- my biggest criticism with the film is the dialogue is so formulaic. It gets bad in Episode Two; it's at its worst. But here, it's so technical. Remember when Han Solo in Empire is like, "I'll see you in hell." These characters' banter. In a way that feels organic. In a way that you guys feel like you can relate to. And you can sort of relate to these characters. I feel like they're from they're our world. Completely different setting. It doesn't feel so far away sometimes. But then you get to this. And the first line. One of the first lines is. Don't center on your anxieties everyone. Keep them here now and where they belong. You know and all this technicality. It's very. Um, it's just very drab. And, and you don't have a lot of sort of personality to it. You know Padme. You know, on the planet, and she's like, I don't think the queen would approve. And he's like, the queen doesn't need to know shit. And she's like, well, I don't approve. You know, there's so little personality. And Jake Lloyd's a kid, you know. I don't think he you can really expect was, him to do he much. He was
0: an actor. He was a kid actor in the sense he's the actor you hire when you want a kid to put on a kid performance. Yeah. I mean, hey.
1: It. I watched Phantom Menace as a kid and I wanted to be Jake Lloyd as Anakin. I wanted to be I wanted to win the Boon to Eve classic. And by the way, man, that moment when Java flicks off that little frog and he goes Wee and he screams to his death, it's my favorite. My fa- actually that's my favorite moment in the whole movie. Oh, that's why you I hate babies. Every time to- Shut up, man. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so funny to me because it's like, why is the scene even here? In Bob or not Boba Fett, um Jabba the Hutt even showing up is just so weird because then you see Gardul the hut behind him, and then you never see them again until A New Hope. And even then, if you're going by the original standards, he's only mentioned in A New Hope. So you don't get to him until Return of the Jedi. So it's just, it's cool to see him to you know to just see that like this is the guy who's throwing this all together. But uh, it's so random, and uh, it I'll, I'll say I get I get the Jar Jar stuff in the sense of so many of it feels unnecessary. You know, like, I think his presence there makes sense, but the, a lot of his jokes, his moments come from these slapstick scenes that feel forced. And they don't feel forced to me, but I can see why they would to other people. And I like him because the dialogue is so formulaic to me that he breaks that up and he, he takes the monotony out of it and just brings some life into it, I think. I mean,
0: I agree in the fact because I said, like, I feel like he changes the tone a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you.
1: Well, I, I still, I mean, I like. I like the dialogue that's in there, and I think it goes to show that that point in time, again, there was this big sense of civility and, and sort of uh, honor in the galaxy and understanding and stuff, whereas when you get to the originals, you're very much in this sort of junker, almost post-apocalyptic galaxy, if that makes sense, and then the sequels are very much like, okay, we've been we're, we've been trying to get to, you know, we won that battle, we won that fight, but we are still fighting the war and trying to win it, and we are exhausted, you know, so I mean... It's just kind of nice to go back and see when things weren't so bad. But uh, thinking
0: thinking of this in broad strokes now, I really do think I think for me personally, the, the quickest way to improve the film is to make adjustments to Jar Jar and Kid Anakin. I think because I think so much of what disappointed people about the movie is that it wasn't just like the originals. It wasn't just like, you know, Han, Leia, Luke, you know, this banter and stuff. It was different. And that was fine. But I think I think the stuff that really like the the, the the negative things that stick with me years later when I watch the movie, is aspects of Jar Jar and aspects of Kid Anakin. I think pretty much the rest of the movie, I'm more or less good with. You know, there's a little bit. Of, you know, there's of course we can nitpick. You know, it's like I said, some some boring sections, little pacing issues here and there. But like, you know, if it's if it's something really overly the over the top ridiculous with Jar Jar or something really silly with Kid Anakin. Like you know, him saying I don't oh, no, think this it's
1: unfair to, to dislike those things. I mean, I don't, I, I don't even mind. Them. Like I
0: hate them. I just kind of no. I just think they I think they bring the movie down a little bit. Personally, I think it's a it's harder for me
1: to find those away. those aspects like those characters, um, as kind of being more contributing to I guess the the criticalness of the films or the issues with the films. When I think it more so is in the dialogue because I don't I don't think Jake Lloyd did a bad job, and I mean he like. There wasn't anything about his look that was so off-putting or, or weird, you know. Or The only thing I can't stand is the damn rat tail that, like, Obi-Wan gets and then he gets at the end of the movie. I cannot stand that. But, I mean, I think it really is just in the dialogue. Like, even though nowadays I laugh at, like, yippee! Now this is pod racing, you know. Well, yeah, it's, but it's become part of your time, life. Yeah. I understand why, like... I understand why people don't like that stuff, and I think that's completely fair. It doesn't kill the character for me. It doesn't kill the movie, but I can. It's it is a bit immersion breaking for sure because Anakin's probably the closest thing to Jar Jar that you have in terms of a sense of humor in the movie. The only time things are super serious with Anakin really is when he's saying goodbye to his mom. You know, other than that, yeah. I mean, he's. Well, I'm try-
0: you know I want to. There's an example I really want to give, but I'm trying to think of... because there's like there's character actor kids and then there's just kid actors now like so jake lloyd did uh jingle all the way with arnold schwarzenegger the christmas movie that's my favorite that's my favorite christmas movie of all time and i think we talked about that on
1: that christmas episode of the sacred icon podcast you guys should go check that out go go back and check that out in
0: the archives (laughs) um and i think jake lloyd is perfect for that role in that movie because Mm -hmm. he plays a kid but I think what would have worked better for Phantom Menace is if they had a got a character actor. And I'm trying to think of another movie that has a kid who does that, but it's just not coming to me off the top of my head. I'm going through my favorites, and I'm trying to think of one. Well, if you
1: do, if you do, and I can but, but I understand but what you're because saying. Because
0: there's some kids who act, and they're like God. you're actors.
1: Well, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I remember watching the beginning documentary of Phantom Menace, and you do see a, like a, two other kids that um, auditioned that that were basically in the running uh, for the role. And one of the kids ended up going on to become a fairly accomplished actor. I mean, he's been in a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, they had this other kid, and I remember thinking, like, okay, he, he kind of has a good seriousness to him that you kind of almost expect Anakin to in your head, I think. But I think George ultimately went with Jake because Jake had a lot of heart and innocence to him, and I think that's what he wanted to show with Anakin before things got so dark, that this was just even though he was a slave, he was kind of a happy kid, you know, very intelligent and uh, he just was living life and that was the only life he knew, so he didn't have anything to compare it to, but um, he had all these dreams and goals and and things he wanted to do, so there was all, there was just such a sense of innocence and purity to him and then it's a matter of showing that, so then when when he gets to revenge then you're like, just gaping hole in your chest, like, fuck, like this dude just... Yeah, I
0: mean, at this point in time, you know, like, I'm not you know, we, we've talked about this before on episodes. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, after a while, you, you know, you need to let things go. Otherwise, it's just yeah. a problem with you. So at this point in time, you know, Jake Lloyd's been Kid Anakin for 20-some years or whatever. I'm fine with it. Uh, it's it not like just he's in the Fountain of
1: just, Youth and he's just been able to stay nine years old for right? 20 years. But uh, I was just
0: checking up yeah. movies, though, to try to get a, a yeah, point yeah, yeah. to make my example. And uh, Daniel Radcliffe in Sorcerer's Stone was a 10 times better actor at around the same age as Jake Lloyd. They, they got somebody, they got a kid who what it was a good. So like, this is the way I look at it. Daniel Radcliffe. Is I hope a good Jake actor. Lloyd
1: isn't listening to this.
0: <laughs> well, I, I got nothing against Jake Lloyd. I would I know, love man. to meet him Let's and get his shit. autograph. Yeah. Continue, man. Continue. Uh, but like Daniel Radcliffe, in my opinion, is a good actor mm-hmm. who also happened to be a kid. Jake mm-hmm. Lloyd was a good actor because he was a kid, like
1: I know what you're saying, like, and I don't Lucas think Lucas needed would disagree a good. Agree with you.
0: Yeah, so you know, I, I think I think it could have been done better, but you know, I'm not I'm not held up on that. I'm just trying to. We're we we're, we're talking about the the
1: negatives and the positives I think, here. I think I, that's the problem though, is we focus too often on what things could have been done better with these prequel trilogies. Same with the sequels, and sure. instead of focusing on what's. Looks good, you know. But, I mean, it's good to have yeah. that discussion. I enjoy talking about that.
0: No, and I usually, I would focus on the good, but I think we're purposely trying to get into both sides of it right now, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, no, no,
1: no, yeah. definitely. I mean, that's why uh-huh. I said, like, I think the dialogue stuff, like, when you get to, like, when you think of all the Senate stuff in the movie, like, I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war, Kidney's like, what does that even mean? Like, I'm here for it, but what does that even mean? Yeah. And then, like, I move for a vote to no confidence, and like, what does that mean? You know, and everything. Also,
0: I is... always laugh that Chan- Chancellor Valorum is played by the Haunted Mansion Butler.
1: Oh, I know, dude. Because because <laughs> that one of my favorite it's lines
0: so... from the Haunted Mansion is yeah. when he goes when when if you guys have ever seen Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy, when uh, the, the the Butler's evil and he he's making Eddie Murphy's wife get married to some other guy, and while she's getting forced to be married, she starts crying, and the Butler, the guy who plays Chancellor Valorum, goes. Tears of joy.
1: <laughs> uh, Terrence I mean, Stamp. Stamp. I think it is. Yeah. He played Zod. He's also the Super prophet
0: 2. of of uh, truth in Halo Three. So. Yes,
1: and he was also. Oh my goodness, he was in Oblivion. I know he was in Oblivion. Mm-hmm. I just cannot think. Uh, he didn't play Ariel Septim, but yeah, I'm blanking but, on it. Uh, but you,
0: Josh, you gave you gave Phantom Menace in your review. You gave it four out of five yes. stars.
1: Yeah, I did. I stand by that.
0: I I think I would give. I'm 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 stuck between. I would give it either a three or a three and a half.
1: Okay, I was going to say, when I looked at my review, it showed me the people I follow and it showed me some of their reviews or the ratings. Your rating, your last rating of it was a 2.5, I think it was.
0: Okay, well, I would give it higher than that.
1: Yeah, because I, I think in the least, I'd give it a three, if not a 3.5. But I feel like 3.5 could be a sweet spot, but I honestly. Go ahead, Brian. Actually, I, I'll, well, I'll, I'll. I'd give it a three say, or a no.
0: three and a half now. I'd have to think about it more, but I think. That was like, I think Phantom Menace was one of the first movies. I think it was the day I created my Letterboxd account, I made that. Oh, and nice. I think, I don't think I looked at it the same way. Like, to me, 2.5 no, stars is a completely average movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would say Phantom Menace, as much as I know people, you know, people hearing this, you know, if, if you don't like the movie, you'd be like, oh, but you gotta be kidding me, Brian. It's got all these problems, whatever, but like... I think it's an above average movie because if we really think about what an average movie is, like, an average movie doesn't stick with you 20 years later.
1: Well, I'm just so nostalgic for that movie. I mean, that's really kind of the legacy of Phantom Menace for me, is I I love the aesthetics in that. I love how everything looked. And as a kid, I was like trying to figure it out, like I said earlier. I was trying to ration it out. Uh, in, you know what? Imperative nature. But go ahead, I man. think I
0: will, because I just realized something. I think I will give it a 3.5 and this I'm just being, I'm being completely oh, well, serious let's hear
1: about like, it man I'm
0: not making a joke because I would give Attack of the Clones a 2 dead serious I think that well, is what I have off the top
1: of my head it would either sit around uh, between a at, at, at the highest a 2.5 but at the lowest probably a 1 so I mean it, yeah. that's the that's, that's, that's what's going to be fun movie. for this is like yeah is really getting into that because, it, and we'll probably do that for each one of these movies, guys, is because Brian and I just, we get OCD with that. We like to, to rank things and see where they stack. So we have a sort of statistical list, but um, yeah, it's going to be pretty across the board. I think I remember when I watched the Harry Potter films um, late last year, I think the highest I gave was philosopher, sorcerer stone, 4.5 out of five. And I was like, there's just not, there's honestly not, I mean, that's a whole different episode, but there's just not too much that's wrong in that movie to me. It is a near perfect film but then i got to like the rest of them and the skill the, the gap just went all over the place and this one starts out at a four but i mean i'm just uh, i think you know attack of the clones is going to be completely opposite so I it's, think, it's fun to do this i stuff feel like that. the
0: only movies counting counting solo and rogue one of all the star wars movies the only ones that contest being average or worse is attack of the clones and rise of
1: skywalker I would pretty much agree the with rest that, are all all above average yeah uh yeah I love this film I like that it's the happiest star wars film um I like how self-contained it is and you know I do I do understand people that once said you didn't even you know if you take away that story and you have episode one essentially be what episode two is um, you're not really missing much I think you are contextually. You know, in terms of the galaxy state, you know, it gives you a reason to care. But I also understand where people are coming from. I think that's a fair point. It's got a but, dope-ass title. It's one of it's the coolest a, titles. Well, that's a great... I'm glad you brought that up, Brian. Phantom Menace is so ominous-sounding. And through that ominous is an invitation, you know, for of curiousness. Like, we want to come in and see who the Phantom Menace is, what the Phantom Menace is. You get to Attack of the Clones, and right away, you're like, okay, there's clones in this movie. We're going to learn about the Clone Wars, you know? But Phantom Menace has a such a such a sense of mystery. And isn't that what that first film kind What's of needed to be? What's your favorite
0: title? Just based on title alone, not the quality of the movie, of all the films.
1: Ooh, that's a great question, Brian. Um, I would probably say... I would probably say The Phantom Menace. I mean, Revenge of the Sith I love. Less to do with the movie, but more because... When I was seeing like leaked stuff for that movie back in like 2004 and early 2005... It was... Like you it seemed like it was going to be a darker toned movie and then you hear revenge of the sith and then i thought back to how return of the jedi was originally revenge of the jedi and i thought yeah. Ooh, this is some full circle stuff i like this yeah. this is good you know i can't wait to see what this looks like but i think phantom menace is just such a nice ominous tone for how it starts out because you have on the poster you have you know darth maul sort of overlooking all these other characters but really it comes down to darth sidious in that last line you know Uh, Who was destroyed was the master, the apprentice, and there's always two, you know, and stuff like that. It's Palpatine because just as the movie is about to go into the celebration scene, like when we're still at the Qui-Gon funeral, just as they say that, the camera cuts over and you see the side angle of Palpatine's face. And, you know, it's so ominous. Like, that's something I want to talk about, too, real quick. Remember back in the day, people did not. This kind of blew my mind. People did not know that Zarsidius was Palpatine. To me, as a kid, even, I just thought, how do you not see that? Like, the bone structure and, like, this. Like, do you not see the, what they're doing here?
0: Yeah. It blew, no, but it's cool. It blew my it's mind, not, though. Correct me if I'm wrong, but no one had any clue his name was Sheev Palpatine until episode one, right?
1: Well, Sheev didn't even come into canon until just a few years ago. Just the really? name Sheev itself. Yeah. That was Disney.
0: That was Disney? Disney came up with the word Sheev? Yep. That blows my mind. I had no idea.
1: Yeah. So um, he had no first name until Disney? uh maybe he did in old canon i i can't recall now i don't think he did but um okay. no i even in uh the dark Plagueis novel i i think he was just when he, like when they they feature him I
0: just wish that he there. was, was like out. you know it's just i like i i think darth sidious sounds badass i'm not a huge fan of the name palpatine and i think that's more oh, ruined by rise of skywalker saying it over and over and over again oh okay
1: you know i always loved um darth tyrannus for count Dooku, but it, it's only cool mentioned deal. once in the film so yeah, it's Hill*. you know, like I love that. Yeah. But yeah, uh I love this movie. It, the reason it's a four out of five is because I really do think, I really do think it's, it is hard to look at these movies as their own entities because they are telling a much broader story with connective tissue. It's hard with any films that's part of a, du- a duality or a trilogy um, or, or more, you know, it's hard to just isolate them and look at them on their own. But I think is that being a core film that just was meant to kick off things. Like if that was what came out in 77, you know, like that's a fun story. It's a fun adventure you they, they go, they go planet hopping. We see lots of different um, types of locales and settings. We see some that's familiar. We see some that's new. Um, we get to see what the Jedi are like sort of in their prime, at least compared to the originals. You know, and we get we get a lot of good context. We get a lot of good context in terms of something what we're going to say. You look I, like you want to say something.
0: Something I realized, Josh. You know, it's it's almost like you almost hate that you have to give Red Letter Media the. Resp- it's like every time you talk about Star Wars and you mention them, it's like you're giving them money. It's like they 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 haven't earned the right to be mentioned unanimously with Star Wars, but somehow we have to bring them up. It seems like, but. You know, one of the things they they criticized about Phantom Menace was like in the beginning that the the Jedi run away super fast. This superpower that's never seen again. <laughs> that but, is fair, I know. That's, well, but no, fair, no, I don't know if it is fair because if you, okay. you think about it, in the original trilogy, Luke can jump 25 30 feet in the air in Empire out of nowhere and he never does it again. It's the same thing.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it just it's it seems I, I do feel like that's fair in Phantom just because it's so. Okay, when you're watching Phantom Menace for the first time and you have the context of like, holy shit, these are Jedi, like in their prime. Yeah. And they do that sprint, it's a new force power. Every new Star Wars movie always brings in a new force power. That was one of the new things you got to see is this force speed. And then it gets to the end when he clearly could have used it, oh. when it really necessitated its use. Yeah. And then you're like,
0: why That's true, but I mean we could pick apart so many movies using that same type oh, of Oh,
1: definitely. I mean I just I understand where people are coming from with that. Like I don't I didn't include I
0: just every time I watch Empire and I see Luke jump like thirty feet in the air, I always think I always kinda of second take it, I'm like, wait a minute, am I watching an edition with like a CGI add in? No, it's this is the original and he's he does jump thirty feet in the air and he never does it again. I mean and we never see that in the originals past that, so Oh no, that's
1: true. I I mean it's just I guess it's just a filmmaking thing too. I mean it's It's hard to keep track of all that stuff. You know, you gotta imagine George Lucas penning the script isn't always like taking, he's looking up at his like documents and seeing all the available force powers and how they may need to be used here. So, another thing,
0: dude, is like one thing I have respect for. Actually, I have respect for. I don't think you'll agree with me on this, actually. But like, I think all three prequel films are, they're, they're, they're original. So they're like, they're new and original. And I give them that benefit. And as, and as far as that goes, that's one thing that all three of them have on Return of the Jedi to me. Yeah, because I feel like Return of the Jedi is not a very original film, and I think it's quite a bit weaker than the other two originals. Personally, I feel like it's kind of just because, in my opinion, when I when I think of Return of the Jedi, I think of Luke gets a great arc, all the other characters get shafted, and then we re, we reuse the concept of the Death Star. So, I just feel like, you know, for... I love that movie,
1: but that is a very fair criticism.
0: All the criticism that the prequels get, like... Tell me if you agree with this, Josh. I would say the Star Wars movies that are very original in concept. A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, The Last Jedi. Yeah. And then the rest, like, I love Force Awakens. It's not original. Uh, Rise of Skywalker think, is not original. I
1: still think, you know. and, and it's not a... Uh, I think Ryan did a great job with it, but I still think um, Last Jedi does... It is very much a, a, a play on a, uh, Empire and, and Return of the Jedi. It just doesn't... People don't give it that. It. But, I but, would I mean, disagree with
0: that, but I feel I like it still manages it
1: to... It, people hate on that movie enough, and I don't want to I still like feel, I feel like it still manages to be
0: different enough, but I do agree it really that does. it's got some echoes no, to definitely. Empire... Whereas, like, if somebody told me, like, oh, you know, Force Awakens or Rise of Skywalker, it's very much repeating the same beats. I agree with that. Where I, I don't as much with with uh, Last Jedi, but um, and even even if you think about it, even like Solo and, and Rogue One are pretty original
1: too. They are. They just. I mean, I get why you don't include them though, just because they they're kind of their own spin off things. But I mean, oh, we'll, we'll we'll wrap this up and then we'll we'll get into some patron shout-outs and stuff because we haven't done that for a while, guys. Um, I yeah, I would say. Th- Four out of five for me objectively. Subjectively it's like honestly, it's probably a five out of five. Just me as a fan watching this in terms of like the fun factor. Uh, I just have so much fun watching. This
0: it. might be your favorite Star Wars film, is that right? Yeah,
1: and, and, and that's honestly because of nostalgia. Like I, I look at Revenge of the Sith and I think this is just a great story that has a great tonal shift and it it it, it does exactly what it needed to do, you know, in terms of connective tissue and uh how it marries both uh, together in the overarching story and yada 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 but Phantom Menace is just fun it's a happy Star Wars film and as a kid um, that really helped facilitate my sense of innocence and and foster that and kind of nurture it and it was just fun to to go get new toys and have a you know dump them all out together and have them interact with the original characters and and have this theater of the mind as I waited for Attack of the Clones to come out and and wonder you know, what Anakin was, you know, what him and Obi-Wan were doing training and, and you know, reading some of the books. And then you, we hadn't even talked about, guys, Star Wars Episode One Racer. You know, we're a video game podcast. We hadn't even mm-hmm. talked about that. We had Jedi Power Battles. Um, we had, um, I'm sorry, the, the Phantom Menace movie adaptation video game. We had Galactic Battlegrounds. I had so many other. Um, ones I'm forgetting. And Brian, did you ever play any of the episode of one thing? I
0: played a lot of rep, uh, speed or pod racing. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's
1: wrap, let's wrap the Phantom Menace up with a little video game talk here.
0: Well, well we, you know, about, I always, man. I will say I always, I always am like, I'm always upset that I never played cause I loved movie adaptation games growing up. Me too, so, buddy. So it sucks to know I never played, the ps1 you phantom menace killed game. kids
1: in that game we'll talk about that in a minute really <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> well it's crazy because i i'm that so evil i didn't know it existed until yeah. within the last 10 years I, I don't did it did that game do well or get
1: marketed well i like, think it just strong? did like average
0: was it a fun game
1: if it PS1? did well it, it probably was hype but I, I don't think it has any sense of like lasting legacy uh did it what did you like it? Did you play it Oh, I loved it. The PS1 one? Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was so what, what, much fun what's, because... What's the...
0: Who do you play as? Like, what is You the- play
1: as Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, um, Padme, and Captain Panaka. Oh, you never and play as Anakin, huh? No, you don't. But you do. I mean, you encounter them. But like, for example, there's two missions where you play as Qui-Gon and you're on Tatooine. And keep in mind, guys, this is like PlayStation 1 era, you know, the 90s. But it was a very open space and you were able to travel around and talk to NPCs. Things, Sounds some awesome. of them you may be able to get a special blaster from. Uh, other ones just had funny dialogue. Like this one guy was like, hey, "Come to Papa's store. You, you, come here. You make lots of money. <laughs> you know." And it was, it was just so immersion uh, fulfilling. And yeah, I would go in there and sometimes like you could literally kill Anakin. The game would force you to reload, but you could kill him and he would scream. And I did it once. That's how I found out. <laughs> when I yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you could like, it just kind of gave you that freedom. I remember going into like the Mos Espa uh, city sort of uh, wherever one was selling shit, the shops and everything. And, and I would like try to kill somebody just to do it, just to see what happens. And everyone would f- freaking open up fire on my ass and Qui-Gon falls over. I couldn't kill them all. I was holding down square to deflect every bolt I could, but it just wasn't enough for poor Qui-Gon. But it was a lot of fun. You had that kind of free roam and player agency, and um it could be incredibly tough too you know but playing as padme you would go on the the theed missions and, and kind of try to do I just stuff there. Re- I'm
0: just I'm just envisioning it being like a version of some of my favorite movie games two towers and return of the king
1: it was so i mean obviously that was the ps2 era and those were more hack and slash this was definitely like action adventure but um mm-hmm. but it was it didn't really have platforms it was just run around shoot things you know you can talk to people uh,
0: it sucks when like your 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 memories are better than the actual game because i remember I know out. if I went
1: back and played that, I would still have a freaking. Well, blast. I, I quote remember, that game to this day. I think it and, was four years ago, Josh. Yeah.
0: we we went and got you and Justin came over to my house mm-hmm. and we played Return of the King on the original. Oh, Xbox. I remember this. And we I have a picture after about a, After about an hour, we all kind of agreed, like eh, we're not having that much fun. You
1: well, know, oh, okay. So. To be fair, and I see what you're saying, and I don't think you're wrong at all. However, for me at that time, all it was was that you I could tell you checked out and you guys were just kind of like not feeling it. I was very much still in that mind like, yeah, let's do this. I want to watch you guys play through it or maybe I'll swap in. But you guys just weren't feeling it and that's fine.
0: Yeah, it's also kind of hard too. I forgot how difficult
1: it is. It is hard.
0: But, well, and it uh, but sucks okay.
1: that Two Towers isn't cooperative. It's only single player. Return of the King. And, yeah, and they never
0: got a proper fellowship, even though I know you like the one that came out.
1: I did, but I never got the movie adaptation that was probably done. I Uh, never got to play as Boromir. Like in any game, let me play as Boromir.
0: Yeah, that's like a, a crime. He's seriously um, never
1: been playable. It's so weird. But Episode One
0: Razor, I loved yeah. that game. I had it on N sixty four. I remember all my friends playing that game. Um, I'm surprised I haven't still haven't picked up the new the. I bought it.
1: I bought me. it. I just haven't played it, but it's installed. It. Have you even
0: yet. checked it out yet? No.
1: No, I haven't just yet.
0: Hmm. No. Curious what that's like.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to play that. That was a lot of fun. Um, they had Star Wars Episode Two, Racers Revenge that released, uh, and no one knows it it's on ps2 yeah people forget about that you can play that on playstation 4 it is on there and i played it and yikes yeah all yikes. it is basically is like anakin like attack of the clone anakin has come back now um and because i think so Sub- i um, i think sebulba Sub- like overtook his like uh fame basically and anakin's like no not on my watch <laughs> i'm yikes. gonna go prove why i am the top pod racer in all the galaxy guys and it's pretty much just that but i mean it was cool but it's not as memorable as that first one just that didn't they? Didn't that
0: they have? So didn't iconic. episode one Pod Racer get like um like store machine versions? I feel like yes, it, it did. did. It did. Yeah.
1: No, it did. And that was just School. that was playable anywhere. I think some places even. I could be wrong, but I think some places even had like a mini Pod Racer. You know that you could hop in as a kid. Okay, and,
0: dude. This is this. Every time I remember this, it blows my mind how cool this is. I don't know if you have ever seen or heard this before. When I was little, there used to be a Godfather's Pizza that had a bunch of arcade games. Midwest Pizza Chain, guys, yeah. Yeah, it had a bunch of arcade games in it, and one of the arcade games it had was the N64 version of NFL Blitz. Yep. And the arcade machine had a slot for you to bring your N64 memory card in.
1: I don't remember the memory card thing, but I also didn't have a 64, so I don't think I was as aware of all that.
0: But I'm just thinking, how dope is that? That you could be like, mom's like, hey, we're going out for Godfather's. Let me grab my NFL memory Blue's card, memory card yeah. <laughs> and load it up at the. That's so uh, cool. Man.
1: Yeah, I miss those it's PlayStation awful. 1 days of a lot of those games. It was quite fun being able to play that stuff. I look at things like Episode 1 Racer and I think about how the great. What I loved. Uh, one of the things I loved about George Lucas's Star Wars was. Every film had some kind of race chase sequence and it always just it was always fun. And the sequels didn't really have that and I don't hate the sequels for that, but I just I missed that. I missed it. That was all cuz I really like it. Like do you think of the pod race in episode 1, you think of in episode 2, um it's the sort of speeder chase, you know, in uh throughout Coruscant and the night sky and, and when they're chasing Zan Wessel that bounty hunter, Revenge of the Sith, you have the boga with the general Gr- uh, Grievous and Obi-Wan and you know then you get to the originals and you know that stuff too. But um it's just, it's a lot of fun. That game was so much fun to play, and it just helped facilitate just such a fun time in Star Wars. And honestly, we're going to get to it when we talk Force Awakens. We'll probably go long on that one because, oh, while well, I love that one, Brian really loves that one, and like he said earlier and alluded to, uh, it really opened him up to Star Wars the way the you know the originals had already done for me. So um, it'll be I'll great to talk about the that night but we went to see it. Yes, yeah, we'll have a lot to say about that. But and for me, with um with Phantom Menace, it was just, it was really magical, because, uh, like, imagine if it was Revenge of the Sith, and my nine-year-old self is seeing, like, Anakin already go to the dark side and kill younglings, and I'm like, I hate this, it's so sad, it was what I wanted it to be for me as a kid, you know? I think, I I, I think Phantom Menace is gonna get even
0: more love once the Disney stuff that takes place before ties back into it.
1: Well, I was gonna gonna say, too, yeah, I mean, you had so many media multimedia projects that supported it. There was a book series called Jedi Apprentice and it was like almost 20 books, just kid books, short, that focused on uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and they went into a backstory about how Qui-Gon had this failed apprentice named like Exantos and uh, it, like you know, yeah, it was just, I mean, it Kid Me was like, this was, you know, it was world building. It was, you know, it, it kind of filled in that theater of the mind. That's when I started to read Star Wars books. Um, because of the stuff that had come before, like Air of the Empire*, it was—I didn't even—I wasn't aware of that being a thing as much, um, like I was when *Shadows of the Empire* came out. But that stuff was still too adult for me to like grasp and connect to. I wasn't ready to read. full-fledged I had fledged, a question
0: no. that I forgot to ask, but it just came back to me. Sure. Okay, so let me try to frame this question right. I think you will understand. Frame these nuts, to Brian. Say. So, wow. Just for that, hit me up with the sound of Jar Jar. Trying to describe what he saw on Dooku's back when he was
1: showering. <laughs> uh, Wisa, man, they have a little problem. Uh, you know, we see a uh, a little uh mole on the back. Uh, you know, uh, uh you know, Wisa, have those sometimes pull them off, make a little two one of biggie accidentes. You know what I'm saying? You have the mole on there. You might want to pull all that off, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh I'm just
0: picturing Christopher Lee's mole back now. Christopher Lee's just like, yes. You know did freaking Jarjo would take his tongue and like like lick the mole right off. <laughs> Excuse
1: me. It looks a little bit of, uh, delicious. Can I get in, in the get shower, a would you? With my tongue. Oh, that's great. we we going to say, Brian? Yeah. I hope you didn't
0: forget. So, it. no. Uh, so, like, every, I feel like everybody has that one moment in media or whatever. The one moment that's like it's it's like the moment that you'll never forget it like transcends everything for me it was when i played halo 2 for the first time it was like this otherworldly oh my god i'm never going to experience something this cool ever again for a lot of people it was luke or not he doesn't say that it was no I am your father yeah. people always say Luke I'm your father I, not
1: I, I get it though it's um, a common mistake
0: what, what was that and I don't know if it has anything to do with Phantom Menace but of all your life what is that one peak moment
1: what is it for you uh, it was nice to the old republic just seeing how how characters reacted to my decisions I just never experienced that and I didn't. was it
0: the plot twist moment of that game? no
1: it, it honestly was just it was literally just seeing how characters reacted to the choices I made when it. when I was nice and people were so grateful it made me feel like amazing as a person and when I went through and had a Dark Side playthrough, um, I felt horrible and I, I, I never even have I don't think I completely finished it on Dark Side I'd, you,
0: know you know what's great,
1: um, go ahead finish not well, I was just gonna say it's just because it, it made me realize that was what made me realize as a kid that like what I say matters and like words are very powerful. You know, it's a superpower in of itself and we have the ability to, to, to heal and then help people and then also really hurt people and you really have to think about what you say and And just seeing the the sort of galaxy spanning effect that I had in that game, and I I really it really made me feel like my choices mattered. And then, you know, Mass Effect came after, and all these other games that kind of invited player choice. There were ones before that, like Baldur's Gate, you know, and Bioware did that too. Yeah. But um, for me, it was KotOR that really was that defining experience for me in my life.
0: That's cool, man. Yeah. I uh, what's really screwy is like now, like in my adulthood, um, whenever I play a game. I got to be the nice guy. I got to do the right things. I want to help people. But when I was a kid, dude, I loved being evil. I mean, oh, I don't think
1: I did. think most people you think of like playing fable. And I think most people loved the shit. out. It of
0: didn't that. bother me at all, dude. I kill everyone in town, take their properties, run it out. It's the power charge. trip,
1: dude. I get it. I, I, would just, I couldn't I do it, home. but I get it. Yeah, yeah. Mister, can you help you know, me don't, die? <laughs> that is an episode in of itself. I would love to do someday. But in, in this regard, since it does kind of play into the KOTOR and Star Wars for a bit, uh, the older I've gotten, the more I try very hard to role-play my, R- my RPG character in a game the same way I would or want to when I'm playing a tabletop game. Like, you think about it, and when we play RPG games that give us the choice, a lot of us usually just try to go the good guy route and pick what we feel is the best, nicest, helpful decision. But sometimes, you know... We might be good people, but we might not always make the best decisions and we might still make mistakes and stuff like that or be mean and have those mean moments. And to try to like when I create my characters now in these games, I really try to get into that mentality. Who do I want this character to be and like what what sets them off? What's their motivation in life and 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 let that affect it. And it is tough. It is tough because sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm not missing it on this side quest. I will say the nicest thing or whatever to get this quest. But like. It's fun to role-play. It makes it a more immersive experience. When I was a kid and I played KOTOR, yeah, that was immersive because it was the first time I'd ever experienced that. But as I've gotten older and I've done The Good Guy again and again and again, now i got to like really juice it up and kind of get creative with it. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, guys, that is our talk on The Phantom Menace. And uh, I can't wait to get back and talk about these other ones as we work through them. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to do... Um, once we get through the... The prequel trilogy, we're gonna do so we're gonna go full chronological. So solo and then rogue one go into the originals and with the sequels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. But uh
0: Alright, um actually I wanna before we so I'm just gonna give you guys the quick pitch here. Um we're gonna go into uh thanking our patrons, but uh after we get done thanking them, we're gonna go right into recording another episode that's gonna go up on our patron just for patrons. Uh, something new we're starting called uh, After Hours, where Josh and I just kind of talk about whatever we want. Sometimes we do Q and A, and we just we there's no there's no startup music, ending music. It's just me and Josh. You know, Shoot just the shit, in.
1: because you know what, guys, yeah. we literally talk to our we literally call one another on the phone usually after the episode and just kind of just just chat and see how we felt about things or just talk about other things that you know, aren't to do with the podcast. And this is a nice way for us to just kind of do that and give you guys some extra yeah, so content. this way
0: you guys, yeah, you get more if you're part of the patron. So if you're a part of the patron, you're good. If not, you can become a patron for just a dollar, and you still get all the extra episodes. You get We have a full like 15 tracks of a metal album on there. We get a bunch of posted extra articles and stuff. It's only $1 a month. We have three tiers, but one is the, the easiest to get in. That's at patreon.com slash sacrediconpodcast. Boom. And if you want to find Josh on Twitter, he is at jovialjoshy. Bang. I am at Brian Spain. Bang, bang. Brian, bang, bang. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. And when you want to I mean our, our main place Is that we're always Kind of like Talking with people is at Sacred Icon Pod On Twitter And you can send us An email At Sacred Icon Podcast At gmail.com But anyways I You
1: guys too I do, I do want to say If you ever want to Leave us an iTunes Review for five stars That would be amazing Or be if you dope. want to Give it one star And say something Horrible Please don't But uh, no If you guys ever Want to do that uh, We will read it Off on the show And uh, believe me We love complimenting People so if you want to hear your speaking of
0: complimenting people, our first patron, Forbear. Forebear, buddy, love that dude, man. I he's trying to keep the Halo hype going in these rough, dry times.
1: Yeah, and he's doing a great job with it. I think I can't wait to see um, just what he's going to do this year in terms of content. And when he when I saw his like first one on the Barn Leak, it was just awesome. It pulled me in. I was like, this is the kind of. Sometimes you don't know where to look for stuff, you guys. When you're in, when you're into something, right? You don't like. It may take someone Brian and I have always loved is like Angry Joe you know we don't watch his stuff as much now but we used to love his videos and that was always kind of he reminded me like of G4 type like goofiness campiness you know in the sort of gaming industry and that was something I always wanted, but I didn't find it until you know Brian showed me it. So when I got to see Forbear's Halo stuff, I was like, "This is the type of content I want from Halo." I'm gonna
0: go ahead and attribute that long spiel to Forbear. Just join the patron because it's gonna take forever. We're gonna get that to everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you guys can. I'll, I'll be the I'll be the bad guy here. Oh, no, Brian! Brian's not. He's just the, he's the arbiter because this is a fault of mine. I will drag on and on and on and on if if I'm not kept in but, check. But I'll drag on about the next
0: one because I had a more personal experience with our next patron. I got your potatoes. <laughs> uh, he is a relative of Ko Koala Entertainment, yes. Anthony Nicolosi, and I recently did. I was a guest on the Craig podcast, yeah, um, with Anthony Nicolosi and uh, I got your potatoes. I don't know if he's got that posted yet, but that was a couple days ago. So I'm a guest
1: on. Yeah, there. I'm, I'm going to check that out, guys. Definitely check that out. When Brian told me about that, and I was like, what. So that's something. Yeah, nice. he had very
0: nice things to say about us. So thank you so much for your patron support, man. Next, yeah, we got you, Armageist. Armageist? Armageist. We got a newer
1: one? No, he's been there for a while. I thank you. Regardless, I thank you so f- much. I like that name. I'll, Armageist. Yeah. I might have to use that in one of my like, tabletops. I think names.
0: I've talked to him on Twitter, but I don't think he's in the Discord. I apologize if I'm I forgot his name. Then we got Green Plumber. Josh, do you want to say what Green Plumber's Discord name is? It's fucking Ouija. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking Ouija. <laughs> Oh, oh, I love your name. Oh, dude. It's great. I, it makes me think of both a Wedgie and a squeegee.
1: I fi- I just picture it's like the paperboy game from the old Nintendo days and like fucking Ouija's the guy on he's the paperboy and he breaks the window and someone comes out, it's the old woman with the damn uh rolling pin, and she's like, Fucking Ouija. <laughs> oh man, thank Come you. Come out of so here, much. you little rat bastard.
0: <laughs> um then you know i said i had some cereal this morning next we got kodio
1: kodio's have yourself a nice box of kodio's start your morning fresh man thank you so much you know, i don't always drink the milk after i eat cereal but if i was having some kodio's i would that sounds kind of weird but you know <laughs> it sounds for good how would you not joshy big boy joshy big boy it's, it's josh's spinoff account where he's not me, me. he's lying nope <laughs> <laughs> he's not thanks so much man <laughs> i
0: don't know joshy big boy says right here he says mm, i really like evangeline lily yeah that's you bro no i'm making <laughs> that
1: up here we got ryan barca ryan barca man thanks so much buddy love you man Justin Mandre. dustin Mondre. dustin Mondre. i can't help i can't not say it like that it just hasn't anthony
0: Nicolosi, who i already shouted out yeah
1: thank you so much anthony i can't wait to be on the show with you guys we definitely got to do that here in the future
0: Corey hanks you know what i love about Corey hanks he's such a big supporter of ours and he's also so blunt like he can in the same breath be like oh man i loved your guys's podcast and then he can also be like Phantom Menace sucked. Like, <laughs> and then you'd be like, oh, but dude, I liked it. And then he'll be like, nah, it was garbage. He'll be like, well, thanks for your support, bro. <laughs> he's,
1: like, he's very blunt. No, I, it's, uh, it's it's tough, though. I think it's tough for people to toe that line. I think he does a good job with it in that way because of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't have to agree, but like, he's he's very like respectful and supportive at the same time. Thanks so much, Corey. Next we got Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro, always tagging me. Do you see the tags he puts me in? I man? do. There's I, that uh, one where it's like... The weekend. Yeah. It's, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> the weekend you know i love it that's my favorite one now oh i love it i was, I was telling him the uh like a uh, week or so ago i was like we need to get one for like every day of the week now because we've got friday and saturday but we don't yeah, have the sunday good. through uh, next There's we that. got oni bb Oni baby Such hope you're promise. doing well man hope you're doing well Next, we got some protein jugs. Protein jugs. <laughs> <laughs> never what I actually thought the icon, the, the profile it's picture hard, was.
0: It's hard to like. It's funny because when you look at his name listing on Patreon, you got the Master Chief holding the way, the yes. whey uh, produce the stuff. protein, butter, yeah. Protein. And then you see protein
1: jugs, but then in parentheses, it just says, Jacob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, thank you, Jacob, man. Your, your name always. It'll never.
0: Whoa! got Crashing into the ceiling that's an oh, ODST, shit. Mikey, ODST.
1: Cosplay? Mikey Cosplay look out man we guys we are gonna have to play that commercial again here uh, this this later this year yeah. because I don't uh, a lot of you guys are here now that weren't there when uh, we first did that and that was so, so much fun <laughs> so,
0: we got a big Mikey. brain
1: boy Genesis oh Genesis hope you're doing great Thanks man so I haven't much. talked to you in a bit but we miss you man we love you thank you so much Uh then we got Ian Big Dog Mills Ian Big Dog Mills, who also likes the Phantom Man. Yes. he he
0: he does a really good job of just keeping the like. I'm surprised He's so chill, how and I love that we get to him on the show.
1: Every time I see him hype, on Twitter, I'm like, he's so cool.
0: Yeah, he's just very <laughs> chill, very cool dude. Uh, also, I also liked how he was like he said the Empire Strikes Back was one of his least favorite, and it's just and nice I'm the it's same just, way. Yeah, I feel it's like different to
1: hear on that. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's great. Uh, it's we, a great movie.
0: Then we got our meme lord photon. Meme
1: lord photon, man, I love him. And uh he is definitely want one. to have him on the show at some point down the line just to just to chat him up. So
0: many people like that, so. Uh, who want to be on the show and people we want to have on the show. Yeah. And at the same time, me and Josh are like, we also need to get back to when we can, when it's just us more often. Because it's That's getting true. to the point where there's more <laughs> guests and there's
1: just us. But we definitely uh, want to do a lot. We definitely want to do a lot with that.
0: And we got KN Nick. He's been supporting us for a while. KN
1: Nick. It, it sounds like, our... I can't remember for sure. Do you have a YouTube channel, dude? Because I swear that sounds like a yes. YouTube channel and I would totally check it out. I think I'm subscribed. Yeah. I can't remember. If not, I need uh, I need the link so I can.
0: Then we got our buddy Jonnson, who is the
1: ultimate Discord moderator. Yes, fantastic. He
0: also did our uh, go back in the archive. He did the uh, Carnage report on the Shadows of Reach book.
1: Yes, which was really really cool. With uh, with our buddy, with our admin Cole Cole? Dryer. Yeah, yeah. So which Uh, is fantastic.
0: Now, if I said this dude is super fly and looks great in a leather jacket, do you know who I'm talking about?
1: Oh shit! Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I man. Uh, is it Stocking is it, them shelves. Yeah, is it Trevor Polkey?
0: That's Trevor Polky. Trevor Polky, baby. Shit. Most fly dude in a leather jacket ever. Um, I don't even know if he has one. Maybe he's got one in his profile
1: picture. No, I don't know what made me to start saying that. Trevor Polky looks like the kind of guy that would play in a band I would listen to, but like someone like uh, oh, I don't know, like Everclear or something like that, you know. Hoping like some crazy screamo rock. I was gonna say like alt runge or something like that. I could see it.
0: You know what, dude? I have been enjoying the hell out of their new show, WandaVision. It's the Shipleys! (laughs) (laughs) Jordan and Kirstie Shipley. You know what's great? That show has far exceeded my expectations. I haven't watched the
1: fourth episode, guys. We probably will do a WandaVision. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But we will definitely... We will more than likely be doing an episode. I'm all over the place and how I'm saying that. We will likely do an episode covering WandaVision once it's wrapped up. Sort of keep it up, ship, please
0: Keep bringing that awesome WandaVision hype. Yeah, guys-
1: <laughs> we love you guys. Uh, it is. I I know you guys have got to be excited for Halo and and. Uh, Jordan, man, thanks so much for just chatting me up, uh, giving me uh, your thoughts on my my movie reviews. That means so much, man. All you guys oh, I, who who do that and interact he with he
0: also said last week, he's like, we're the we're like the guys that keep the hype coming even when there's nothing. And I'm like, I really appreciate. You.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I love Jordan.
0: Next, we got Dust Storm from Podtacular. Y'all know him. Y'all love him.
1: Yeah, and if so you're new to the show and you're really liking us, we actually did a guest star on that uh, episode. He did. We sort of did a dual um, conversion episode, yeah. and, uh, so definitely go check out Podtacular. Check out that episode. That sounds yeah, scary, that a
0: dual conversion episode. A dual conversion. Like- Actually, Duststorm's head is know. on Josh's body, and Josh's head is on Dust Storm's body. Well,
1: then you definitely have to check it out because it's just crazy. That is it's crazy. crazy. I hope it lives up And we well. have
0: Glass. <laughs> our, our He is only beaten by one for our longest supporter. Thank Yes, Glass, thank
1: you so much for always being here. Uh, you have been here for so long. And then our last one is the Man Who Saw Justice League knew it needed more, and on March 18th, it's charging right through the front door. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Matthew Salvatore. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank it's you coming. so much, guys, man. That
0: Snyder Cut's a reality. Yes. Be watching it soon. Yes. Man. So, All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast with a an oddball that was very, very fun for Josh and I. We love Star Wars. Phantom Menace is great, and uh, we hope that you guys uh, would enjoy to hear more of this because we got plenty more Star Wars movies to come. Yes. Middle Earth, Earth, Harry Potter, come, who knows? So. Yeah, who Blade knows? Blade Runner, we'll limit. get there. The sky's the limit. All right, guys. We will talk to you on the next episode, and as always, keep it sacred. Bye, guys.
1: Peace.